Hey everyone, this is the third and final episode of a three-part story we're calling Out on the Ice. So if you haven't listened from the beginning, go back to part one and start from there. Previously on Blind Landing. There is no one in their seats at this point. Golly, that is sensational. He is the first U.S. male competitor to come out of the closet. I always thought that there was some discrimination. I'm sorry, I don't need to see a prima ballerina on the ice. People that think <laughs> that's him just trying to act outrageous on the ice, you're just being yourself. Exactly, and that's the, only, that's the only way I can be. In our last episode, we took a look at the reception, both from the public and behind the scenes, of some of America's first openly and visibly queer figure skaters. But that, that was just the tip of the iceberg. I'm Ari Saperstein. I'm Chris Schleicher. And this is Blind Landing. Out on the Ice, part three. In recent months, gay rights activists have been arrested while protesting Russia's new laws, which prohibit promoting homosexuality in public. They're generating protests around the world. Russian gay rights activists say they want to see mass demonstrations in Sochi. It's created a climate of of fear in, in the LGBT community. In the summer of 2013, Russia passed this anti-gay law used to criminalize LGBTQ plus people, which led to violence against the queer community. I remember this. This was like a huge, huge story. That whole summer, there were protests in Russia and queer people getting attacked and arrested. And not only Russians, but queer tourists in Russia getting arrested. That's right. That's right. I mean, it was really disturbing. But um, what do the anti-gay laws in Russia have to do with our story? At the time, Russia was getting ready to host the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi. So the implications were huge because the world was preparing to come to Russia in just a few months for the Olympic Games. Russia's sports minister says new anti-gay laws will be enforced at next year's Winter Olympics. The pressure is growing on the International Olympic Committee to deal with Russia's anti-gay stance. LGBT people in Russia itself are living with incredible fear, hostility uh, and violence on the streets. That's not going to change unless the whole world puts pressure on the Russian government. And everyone, from heads of state to sporting federations down to the athletes themselves, have to decide if they'll say something publicly about the situation. And in this moment, there were at least three gay male skaters vying for a spot on the U.S. Olympic team. Jason Brown, Adam Rippon, and Jeremy Abbott. None of whom were publicly out, all of whom were being asked to comment. I was only 19 years old. Suddenly being thrown into the spotlight as a teenager, I think that there was a little bit of, do I say something or what? how will it look? You know, and I think that there's a lot of concern over how to juggle that. Jason Brown did not want to comment. Getting ready for the Olympics, um, a lot of times they would start to ask about how do we feel about the anti-LGBTQ propaganda law in Russia? It was the first time I was getting like a lot of attention to like be on an Olympic team. And I never said anything when I was asked. Adam Rippon did not want to comment. I've never said no comment because it, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that comes from or why, when I probably should have many times just said no comment. Um, but I always feel like I have to comment. 
Jeremy Abbott also did not want to comment, but he did anyway. We were at our national team camp and it was in Colorado Springs. So you were at like close to 8,000 feet of altitude. You get off the ice, you're lacking oxygen, you're breathing heavy, you're sweating profusely. And someone asks you to comment on the politics of Russia and, and gay politics. And it's a very weighted, heavy question that I was not remotely prepared for. And this? This was very much one of those times when Jeremy Abbott should have said no comment. Like, I really didn't know what was going on or the extent of what was going on or how bad it was. Okay, so I've got the comment here that Jeremy Abbott gave about Russia. He said, I'm not going to go into somebody's house and be like, um, the way you decorate is hideous and you need to completely redo this or I'm never coming back. It's a little rude. So I don't want to say bad things about a country that's hosting the world, essentially. And so I gave the comments I did, and it got picked up and spread very widely and very negatively. I, I felt awful that I didn't inform myself. I, I felt like a lot of anger and like pain towards myself for just not educating myself better and not standing up for my community. Um, and then when kind of all of that went down, like I was like, well, maybe I should, maybe I should come out. Jeremy Abbott was in an impossible situation. He could be forced out of the closet before he's ready and feels like it's safe. Or he could stay in the closet and risk being perceived as not supporting the queer community. First of all, just people shouldn't like, you shouldn't come out to save yourself from a media shitstorm, which is why I didn't. Um, that's not a reason to come out. And um, honestly, like at that point, in my life, I knew that I couldn't carry the weight alone, and I didn't feel like I had anyone to help me carry that weight. I didn't feel like I had a support system from the Federation, from the media. I didn't feel I had a safety net. I just, I really didn't feel... I was, I was too afraid, honestly, I was too afraid. I, I was too afraid to, like, publicly be gay. And I was too afraid that I wouldn't be able to shoulder that weight. I was too afraid that I was going to constantly say the wrong things. I was too afraid that it was going to cost me a lot. Um, it was just there was a lot of fear that came with the idea of saying those words. You know, um... I was lucky enough to like train and skate with Jeremy. And I think Jeremy would have been a great figurehead for the LGBTQ plus community. Adam Rippon watched the fallout from Jeremy Abbott's comments and understood Jeremy's decision to stay in the closet, in part because of the way Johnny Weir had been treated just a few years prior. Like Jeremy went to the Olympics in 20. 10, he saw the way that Johnny was treated not being an out athlete. Basically, he was just called like, he should just skate in the women's like people were horrible to Johnny. And then you're going to ask Jeremy Abbott to be the first out competitor in 2014 when there's literally a law saying that it's illegal to be like to be gay in Russia. Adam Rippon was also not publicly out at the time, also trying to make the 2014 team, also struggling with what to do thinking about like, should I say something? Should I not say something? I remember messaging that we got from USOC where it was like, you know, we support you and we'll do everything we can. But like, if you say something like when we're in Russia, there's like not much we could do. 
And so it felt like, am I putting myself in danger? Would I be putting my family in danger? Are my teammates going to be affected by this? And um, it was just like, I was just trying to make an Olympic team. So it sounds like for athletes like Adam Rippon and Jeremy Abbott, there was a fear of how the public and the media would react to them coming out. A fear of going into a place like Russia and a fear that being an outskater was going to affect their chances. As it gets closer to the 2014 games, the U.S. begins signaling some support for queer people, if a bit late. The U.S. Olympic Committee named Billie Jean King and Brian Boitano as part of the U.S. Olympic delegation, sending a message to Russia by including two of our nation's most famous queer athletes. Just an aside here, Brian Boitano, he was the 1988 Olympic figure skating champion. Although if you're like me and not a figure skating fan, you might know him better as the guy from the South Park song. And Brian, one of the sport's most famous male skaters, comes out when he's named the delegation. But even if we're getting retired champions coming out and speaking up, the pressure and fear are still too great for us to get an out skater competing at these games. Now, I know that in the end, at Sochi, all the athletes were safe, but I don't actually know who ended up competing. Did Jason Brown or Adam Rippon or Jeremy Abbott end up making the team? So it's Jason Brown and Jeremy Abbott who go to Sochi and help the U.S. win a bronze medal in the team event. The U.S. won bronze today in the team figure skating event. But Adam Rippon does not make the team. And while the U.S. skating team was celebrating their medal, Adam was having a comically opposite experience back in the States. When the men were skating in Russia, I was at a coffee bean getting in a hit and run. So did my Jetta recover? It did eventually, but it was the driver's side that was hit. And unfortunately, I had gotten in another crash earlier that year. And so the passenger backside, that was also smashed. So I looked like I was <laughs> running around in a car that like I had put together myself. So that's where I was. And as much as he can laugh about it all now, at the time, it was really a low point for Adam after not making the Olympic team in 2014. Like, that's when I felt like my skating career is over. Adam was 24. In addition to missing out on the Sochi Olympics, he had also narrowly missed out on the 2010 Olympics. And so he was seriously debating whether or not to keep going and skating. But then, then Adam had this life-changing conversation. After 2014, I was at an ice show, and one of the skaters in the show was Meryl Davis, an Olympic champion from 2014. Come to the newsroom, Meryl Davis and Charlie White make U.S. Olympic history with their gold medal win in ice dancing. The first Americans to take ice dancing gold. And, like, we were having dinner, and everybody was asking her about, like, what's it like to be an Olympic champion? It's like, this thing that's going to make everything better... Like, she had everything that anyone could ever dream of. And all of the emotions that she described, she had the same fears and the same doubts that we all have. And it was like she was left right where she started. Like, nothing really changed. And it, like, broke this illusion of, like, what it's supposed to be. And it kind of showed me what it really was. And so that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to speak my mind. And so that's what I decided to do, like, post that Olympic cycle. And in 2015, Adam publicly comes out. The first active U.S. skater to do so in two decades. The first since Rudy Galindo. 
And I remember thinking like, I have nothing to lose. Like, what's the worst thing that's gonna happen? I'm not gonna go to the Olympics. I've already not done that my whole life. So like, who cares if I don't go to the Olympics? So what kind of reaction did Adam get when he came out? Was it big news? Was there a lot of pushback? There wasn't really a lot of anything. It's like the year after an Olympics when nobody could give a fuck about skating. So like I come out to the like applause of no one and nobody cares and most people know. So it was very under the radar. There was no like media like attention. It was very quiet. And then came the shoulders. They had this rule. It was a brand new rule where like men could show their shoulders in a costume. Obviously, the shoulder is the most famous male private part. So we were finally allowed to bear shoulder. In 2016, right after coming out, Adam Rippon put together a new shoulder-bearing program. And for the first time, tried to be fully himself on the ice. I'm in a tank top. And I skated to like this like club song and I'm like showing my shoulders. I'm living my life. You know, it was like a kind of gay. If anything, I think Adam is underselling how different this program was. In figure skating, you're used to seeing a million people do the same programs to Carmen or Phantom of the Opera. But Adam was skating to thumping club music with this confident, very queer, sexual vibe. This is not your grandma's figure skating program. I skated it once for like the US officials and they were like, I don't really, I don't see how this is gonna like pan out for you. And like, I was like, I'm doing it. I wanna do what I want to do at this point. And Adam goes for it and competes the new program in 2016 at a big international competition called Skate America. I was um, at a Skate America showing my shoulders, I'm living my life. And the Russian judge found me and asked me where my coach was. And I'm like, here we go. She goes over to like my coach and they're talking and they're speaking in Russian. And she starts like pointing at the shoulders and this and that. And then I'm like, here, she, she's probably bashing me. Adam's coach translates and tells him that what the Russian judge was saying was in fact very different than what Adam expected. Basically, the Russian judge came over and was like, I like the program, but it's just like, you have to go more over the top. She's like, there needs to be more things on the back. And if they're going to be like, you know, skating and doing all this, like, just go for it. Like, go for it more. As in, the Russian judge wanted Adam to be more over the top, not less, like the U.S. officials wrongly predicted. And that's when I really was like, it's people who <laughs> don't know all the answers trying to give you advice. So the fear-based mindset that Adam Rippon and Jeremy Abbott and all these other queer skaters had when it came to being out and not being traditionally masculine, when Adam puts himself out there, he realized that the risk-averse way he'd been trained to think, in 2016 at least, was kind of outdated messaging he was getting from the establishment. And being himself also ends up being his path to success. Adam wins the 2016 National Championships, starts becoming a serious contender for the 2018 Games. Against all odds, Adam, in his late 20s, is not past his prime. In fact, he's reaching new heights and ends up getting named to the 2018 U.S. Olympic team for the first time at 28. 
The Winter Olympics kick off in South Korea. A colorful opening ceremony underway. And, the- and it was a huge moment in queer visibility. The first openly gay skater representing the U.S. on the Olympic stage. And at the 2018 Games, what's amazing is that Adam's actually not the only openly gay skater on the ice. Figure skater Eric Radford, the first openly gay male Winter Olympics gold medalist. At these Olympics, Canadian skater Eric Radford, he's the first openly gay man to win a gold medal at the Winter Games, which is huge. And Adam, he also has a great Olympics. Under all that pressure, he hits when it counts most. And look what kind of program he just laid down. He was absolutely spellbinding. Should be high numbers for Adam Rippon. Satisfaction, no. And Adam helps the team to win bronze. And while, of course, winning that medal was amazing, truly more than the medal, more than Adam being this groundbreaking first. For me, what sticks out most in my mind is that in the men's event, Adam did the super gay program he was describing earlier. He did the program at the Olympics the biggest stage in the sport. Adam is just dropped in, being himself, going after something bigger than winning. And there's this one moment, I'll never forget it, when Adam did this like, come hither gesture at the judges, and it was just so playful and so fun. And I, (laughs) there was something about it that just made me feel like we've finally arrived. Queer skaters are here to stay. Adam was achieving the dreams of generations of skaters who never got to be this open. And I was living for it, dancing along to the music in my living room, like my little gay self dancing to Britney Spears. I wish little Chris knew that we'd get here someday. But Adam's story doesn't end there. Adam Rapani Whoa! has had quite a week of that was a one of the best interviews I've ever seen. Adam becomes like America's sweetheart. He does not hold back. I love it. He is so himself. Reese Witherspoon tweeted at you. What other celebrities? Oh, Britney Spears and Sally, Sally Field, Field wants you to, to marry, marry her, her son. I know. It would seem as if you probably had the most fun of any Olympic athlete. Is that an accurate assessment? <laughs> it's been a complete whirlwind. Wow. Yeah. And it happens in huge part, not just because he's gay but because Adam's just hilarious and incredibly charming. And let me just say, 99.99% of interviews with skaters are them saying stuff like, I just went out there and skated my best, and I'd like to thank my parents and my coach and say hi to my pet guinea pig back home in Delaware. But (laughs) Adam, he was the opposite. So, so himself. Hey, we're trying to figure out who's had our better Olympics than you. Well, Um, I don't... (sighs) Maybe somebody who actually won them? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. He didn't win gold. He placed 10th in the individual competition. But he is the star of the games. And he's on every talk show. He's on Dancing with the Stars. He goes to the Oscars. And four years later, he's still in the spotlight, hosting TV shows and reporting for NBC. God, that is incredible because that level of success and fame usually only happens to Simone Biles and Michael Phelps, like the uber-dominant gold medalists. So for the 10th place finisher to be the star of the games and to still be such a big figure, I mean, it's amazing. And Adam's whole journey and Olympic experience, it taught him something about that culture of fear around coming out in the sport. Of the precautionary tales I was told None of it was real. 
what I was told, was it true? No. But it was true for them. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away. What Adam realized is that the judges and officials and coaches who discouraged him from being himself on the ice, most had good intentions. Some of them were queer themselves and projecting their own trauma onto him. This generational trauma passed down within the world of figure skating. It was told to me in really good faith from really good people. And they were just trying to help me and they were trying to save me from the, the experiences that they had themselves. And I think, I think what I knew that they didn't know was that like maybe more people would be ready and they would be ready to hear what I might have to say. And it wasn't just Adam people were ready to hear from, but a whole new generation of queer athletes. That's after the break. It took until 2018 for Adam Rippon to become America's first openly gay Olympic skater. And now it's four years later, another Olympic year. So Chris, what's going on with the queer community in figure skating today? Well, we've seen about as much progress happen in the past four years as the 40 years preceding it, with multiple queer skaters competing at the 2022 Olympic Games. What's going on right now, I think, we're bringing, it's being brought to the table as something that you're allowed to discuss. It's not being avoided in any way. This is Jason Brown, who we heard from at the beginning of the episode. And if you remember, Jason competed at the Sochi Olympics back in 2014, and then made his second Olympics this year, going to the 2022 Beijing Games, which is so full circle when you think about it. There was Jason, 19 years old at the 2014 Olympics, with the backdrop of all this hesitation and fear about being visibly queer. Now here in this moment in 2022, as one of the open, proud faces of skating, ready to be in the spotlight, ready to be himself. I really kind of broke free of that weight of perfectionism. And I think at this moment, I'm just trying to be as authentic and as genuine as I possibly can be, because I think that any role model that I want or that I would want to look up to, I wouldn't want them to act a certain way because they think they have to. In just eight years, it's gone from zero outskaters at the 2014 Olympics to three at 2018, to at least nine, nine competing at the 2022 Olympics. Skaters from all over the world, from Italy, France, Great Britain, Canada, and Armenia. And the US Olympic team has two skaters this time, Representing the U.S. alongside Jason is another queer athlete who's breaking new ground for the LGBTQ plus community. For me as a a non-binary person, people pushing me into the masculinity box, being told that your value as, as a skater and as a person comes from portraying masculinity on the ice and off the ice. Um, that's been especially damaging. And it, it was, yeah, it was really difficult deciding whether, you know, or not to, um, come out as non-binary during my competitive career. Um, ultimately I knew for me through my whole life, I've really tried to find authenticity and, and I knew part of that was speaking publicly and openly about, uh, my, both my gender and my sexuality. Timothy is the first openly non-binary winter Olympian and Timothy's hoping to make a difference to others in the way Adam did. Watching Adam compete in Pyeongchang, um, and seeing him just nail it, it just felt like he went out there and did that for us, you know? 
And Timothy's visibility is huge on so many levels, but especially considering that Timothy is a pair skater. When this Romeo and Juliet storyline that we see in pairs and ice dance is centered as what is required to be successful, then it becomes problematic because it pushes out other people and other identities that want to come into the sport and, and be authentically themselves. Yeah, so you talked a little bit about pair skating in our first episode, right? How there's the pressure to perform traditional gender roles, but also like the pressure to perform a hetero love story on the ice. Yeah, and Timothy and their partner, Ashley Kane Gribble, perform a program that takes that tradition and throws it out the window. And it's meant to showcase two strong athletes coming together to make something beautiful, and rather than it being this masculine feminine energy or this um, dominant submissive energy coming together on the ice. Pair skating always centers around the contrast between men and women. But Timothy and Ashley, they dress in matching outfits without gender signifiers. They're both in pants with beautifully stoned tops. And they're mirroring each other in the choreography. They're, they're equals. The focus of their program is how strong they both are and how strong they make each other. To watch them skate and just like be uniquely themselves. I think figure skating owes a lot to them for pushing the sport to be something it wouldn't be without their work and like their bravery. This is Karina Monta, a former Team USA skater. Remember when I said there's been a lot of change in the past four years? Karina's a pioneer in one of the new frontiers of representation. I was the first queer woman to come out um, while competing on the international circuit. Back in 2018, Karina Monta was an elite-level ice dancer. And not only did Karina have an out-skating partner, Joe Johnson, but she also had openly queer skating friends like Timothy that she could be herself with. Timothy, they were one of the first skaters, I think, that I came out to beyond just like people I trained with. We had an event together. Um, I ended up coming out to them like in a hallway because it was like in our hallway in the hotel. And I just like felt safe with them. While there's that archetype on the men's side of the sport that Timothy talked about, the masculinity box, there's rigid gender norms within figure skating that are just as damaging to women. When they're told that there's only one way a female skater should look or act, it boxes out a lot of talented women who don't fit within that mold. And a lot of queer women that I've spoken to have been told, like, in some capacity, either, like, the way they run, like, the way they move, like, and even straight women, I'm sure, in skating get it, too. Like, they're told they're too masculine all the time because skating, like, really idealizes this version of femininity that nobody fits. Nobody can fit, but it's pushed on us. When you think of a woman being with, like, another woman sometimes, you think, oh, well, which one of you is the guy? And, oh, she's probably more masculine. And that doesn't fit what I want to see in a figure skater. Amber Glenn also had many of the same fears as Karina. As a kid, there were literally zero models of out women in the sport. I didn't really see myself and what I wanted to be in another skater. I felt like I couldn't relate to anyone, you know. So there's kind of that fear of, okay, if I come out, they might not see me as being someone who's graceful. That heteronormative pretty princess. And I'm not that. Much in the way that Timothy was a role model for Karina, Timothy and Karina were role models for Amber. Timothy, they really helped me to be comfortable with myself and really accept 
who I am and Karina. Yeah, I had seen her come out in this wonderful way and saw how inspiring it was. Amber came out in 2019, one of a handful of female skaters to follow in Karina's footsteps. Amber, being one of USA's top single skaters and an Olympic alternate, has brought a whole new level of visibility for queer women in the sport. I had so many people reach out to me with their stories. I even had, like, at Nationals, like a month and a half after I came out, I had a young girl, like, run up to me crying, giving me a giant hug, and her mom just telling me that me coming out gave uh, her the courage to come out to her mother and how it saved the relationship. And just having that one experience, it just filled my heart to know that I, I at least made somewhat of a difference to somebody. So much of the queer history we've heard about figure skating has revolved around gay men. But it sounds like with this new generation of people like Timothy LeDuc and Karina Monta and Amber Glenn that the sports LGBTQIA community is starting to see representation on the ice for more letters than just G. So to hear about these past four years, it, it sounds like the start of something big. It does. But it's also very much just that, the beginning. And now that we've covered the past and present of queer skaters, I think it's time to talk about the future. Uh, it's... It's going to be a long climb, to be honest. This is Elliot Halverson, who we heard from in our last episode. Elliot was a two-time junior national champion. And Elliot knows that even with the recent progress for the LGBTQ plus community, there are still skaters who don't have the support they need. If a trans skater came along that was at a Team USA level and would need to start to be under international sporting rules, as of right now, it would not be kind to, to a, a trans skater like that. Elliot publicly came out as trans a few years ago, and last year joined U.S. Figure Skating's brand new Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Task Force. She's trying to help move the skating world in the right direction, which means moving it away from how she was treated by the skating world growing up. I am a proud trans non-binary person. Um, and in skating, there is just a lack of understanding of what being queer is. You know, as I entered a more serious rink when I was around 10, they were running a comb through every kid through the lens of, is this kid gay? I mean, I was asked if I was gay at a very, very young age and told that I was gay. And you're in, in this environment where all these adults and all these people are telling you that, you that you're different and it's that you're gay, you start to listen to that. And so I, I really thought that that was the thing about me that was different. It's not just that Elliot and other skaters are faced with people who are outright discriminatory, but also there are so many people who are woefully undereducated, who conflate gender and sexuality, who don't understand what it means to be trans. So I, I feel like I'm met with so much confusion a lot of the time of like, oh, this is just so much to learn. This is just uh, how can I possibly call somebody they, them? I just I can't wrap my head around that. It's like, you know, yes, this is a lot to learn. And to be honest, yeah, it is. A lot of it is confusing. 
So can you take that confusion that you're feeling and can you imagine what it's like to be an eight-year-old experiencing that about yourself? It is confusing. If you have a boy body and the world's telling you you're a boy and you know that you're not, that is fucking confusing. Even if you know it, I knew it and it was confusing. And so turn your confusion into empathy because you have to have compassion for the people who are actually experiencing it. Skating is a sport of traditions. It's easy to think that there's only one way to express yourself in order to win. But as we've seen time and time again in this story, all it takes is for one person to dare to challenge the norms, to imagine new ways of existing on the ice. And that's how those rigid traditions begin to fall away. I think when you're young, you're, it's, it's so easy to just listen to those external voices more than you listen to your own. And that's society, that's U.S. figure skating, that's your immediate friends and family and things. And my big wish for the skating community is to stop telling kids who they are. When we look at these athletes, what's made them all feel brave enough to come out? whether it was during their careers or later in life, it's support. Not just from judges and coaches and officials, but from fellow queer skaters who were role models, from the friends and families who accepted them, from the fans, the young queer kids who finally have queer heroes to cheer for, and even skaters like me, who are so happy to see that things are finally changing, even if it wasn't during our time. We're getting to a place where the whole rainbow of our community can finally be seen on the ice. It's not perfect. There's still this internalized homophobia aspect to it at times, but there is acceptance that I never would have imagined. Like fans come to events with rainbow flags. When I went to my first championship event, there was actually rainbow flags in the crowd for me. It was wonderful. I, I, I started getting teary-eyed before I started skating. I had to, like, I had to get myself together. I was like, <gasps> You know, I felt so much love and happiness. The first time I'd seen rainbow flags for me, I literally, literally start crying on the ice because it was just, it, it blew my mind. I'd never seen that before and, and didn't think that I would get to see that maybe in my lifetime. They hold them up when, like, the queer skaters are out there regardless of the country they're competing in, and it's beautiful. If you're like, the only way I'll be happy is if I win, you will be very disappointed when you realize that when you do win, then you need something else. And it's this like never-ending cycle. And I think that there's so many people who are stuck in that mindset. But living your truth and being the best you can be, this is what really matters. That's when you really feel the most satisfied. Blind Landing is created, hosted, and edited by me, Ari Saperstein. The story was produced and reported by myself and Chris Schleicher. Our production assistant is Zach Molino. Editorial assistance from Jenna Levin, Noah Camuso, and Ellen Weiss. 
The rest of the team behind Blind Landing includes Christian Green, Micah Kilbon, and Stephanie Ritopper. Special thanks to all the people who helped set up interviews and give background information for this story. First, Dave Lease and his podcast, The Skating Lesson. You can hear the full interview with Rudy Galindo on their YouTube page. And thanks to Susan Bradshaw-Crother, Catherine Brady, Lori Kim, Nick McCarville, Marissa Peterson, and Michael Terry. There are so many people who gave invaluable feedback during the making of this story, including John Asante, Cyril Babiv, Nicole Gatteland, Alexandra Goss, Tyler Kincaid, Lauren Phipps, Eleanor Rosenthal, Maria Kroll Sinclair, Michaela Squire, Jamie Blakeshare, Emma Tassini, Ariana Waters, and Christoph Sajak-Denick. And thanks to all our interviewees for sharing their stories. <laughs>